Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the uh, QB2 Experience Podcast. I am uh, one of your normal co-hosts, Salvatore Stefanelli. On the line with me is my magnificent and splendid co-host who I've had the pleasure of speaking to uh, once a week for almost 17 straight weeks. I uh, had took the week off last week, but I'm back now. But here we go, the final episode of the season. Jim, how are you today? I'm kind of sad, Sal. This is our last time to chat for a bit, so uh, that makes me sad. I'm excited that uh, maybe some extra free time coming around the corner with the end of the NFL season. But still, it's kind of sad overall. How about you? How are you doing? I mean, every year I, I feel like the football season just ends quicker and quicker and quicker. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, sure, it's been 17 weeks, but I feel like it's been like four weeks. Yeah, it feels like yesterday I was blowing MFL 10 shares on Dion <laughs> Lewis left and right for, for no good reason. Oh, no, I was, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you've seen all the tweets, but everybody like tweeting out their MFL 10 win shares. Yeah. And I'm just like stuck here in the corner all by myself because I was in one mfl 10 this oh. year <laughs> and how did it go uh dead last oh man uh <laughs> injuries injuries make it tough though so it's uh like i had teams that i loved like back in july like my favorite team the one that i was like pretty excited to track like i wrote down the number four and everything um let me pull up my page here really quick i was super excited to track that one and i wound up seventh in that one so not so great, Bob. It's so hard <laughs> to figure out how things will break, and uh, so you know it's a it's a it's a it's a really fun format that I love, and I would encourage people to get into. Best ball leagues are so cool, um, and they're great to track throughout the year too. But it's hard to tell how those things are going to break, man. <laughs> well, I feel like I. Sh- should give MFL MFL tens more of a shot. I just don't really for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I love drafting, so you think this would be right up my right. alley because all I do is just draft. But I don't know. I was in the it's what's called the MFL tens of death. Yeah. Started by uh, Pat Thorman of PFF uh, Fantasy three years ago. Okay. And I was in the inaugural one, and okay, and I took off the second year because I was pretty much out of fantasy for a bit. And the only reason I did it this year is because he asked. And it's kind of hard to say no to Pat when he asks right. you to do He's something. He's a good dude. But, like, this thing, it's, like, full of heavy hitters like Pat Thorman, uh, Sigmund Bloom, Rich Rebar, uh, J.J. Zacharyson. So it's kind of hard to um, compete when you're going up against those guys. So I pretty much just tried a crazy strategy that involved drafting – I don't even know if it's Jeff or Todd Hearman, the tight end from Denver. (laughs) He somehow made it onto my roster. So I'm like, okay, that didn't work out too well. I cannot talk down upon any Jeff Hearman, Hearman, whatever his name is, shares, because I had a lot of Jason Morrow. Um, I... (laughs) And a recovered, fully recovered now truther of Jason Morrow. Um, thankfully, I've gotten past a very dark time in my life, and uh, I may have overinvested in MFL 10. So, whoops. On to 2017, I guess. I guess so. But before we make our way to some 2017 talk, we'll uh, briefly go over last week's streaming picks just to see how. Uh, uh, Jim and myself did. Uh, like I mentioned again, Jim co-hosted, co-hosted, hosted the podcast all by himself. So uh, his voice was the one that recommended these streamers, but we uh, <laughs> went in on it together. So these were the top streamers. Uh, Marcus Mariota, who uh, finished as a QB 28 and uh, suffered a season-ending injury for 8.26 points. Um, if you combine his points with what Matt Castle scored, it would have been 15.22 and good enough for QB19. Still not that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, our other top streamer was Tyrod Taylor, who finished the week as QB3, scored 31.16 fantasy points, and lost his job because of a business decision. Our uh, clipboard holder of the week was Matthew Stafford, who finished as QB22 with 12.5 fantasy points. And um, the rapid fire section, uh, like I said, if we cared Woof. about our, our appearance, we would just uh, burn this section to the ground, <laughs> delete the podcast from iTunes. But we're not like that. We like to be transparent <laughs> about our picks here. So here it goes Matt Barkley, QB25, Tom Savage, QB29, and Jared Goff, QB32. Barkley was the best, scoring almost 11 points. And Goff finished with four fantasy points on the week. 
Yeah, five picks from Matt Barkley. That's that's tough to do, man. I mean, Kudos to you. Is it, I will say, though, that's kind of crazy how he did throw five picks but still scored 11 fantasy points. Right? Because if uh, I recall correctly, the only person who's thrown more interceptions in a game than Matt Barkley was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who threw six back in week three. Box and three, yeah. he ended up with negative 2.28 fantasy points. I remember that game quite well, actually. So I'm glad that came back up. I am not still sad about that game at all. I mean, uh, here, this is an interesting one, too. Philip Rivers threw four picks back in week 10, but he still ended up with 17 fantasy points. Wow. So, I mean, it helps throwing 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. Right. But still, man. Yeah. That's uh, not good. Not good. Not great, Bob. All right, so those were our uh, Week 16 picks. Um, we're going to briefly talk Week 17 because um, if you're playing Week 17 fantasy football, you got uh, more issues than trying to figure <laughs> out who the top streamers of the week are. I mean, no offense to people that listen to our podcast. We love you all, but Week 17 fantasy football is pretty damn crazy in two quarterback leagues. I mean, it's already ridiculous enough in one quarterback leagues, but when you add in that second quarterback, it's just like, who is starting this week? Right. If you had Ben Roethlisberger, you're not using him. You can't use Tyrod Taylor. You can't use Eli Manning. Uh, You can't use Bryce Petty, which I'm sure is a huge blow to everyone listening. Um, Like there are just so many dudes who may have brought you to this point, especially Bryce Petty, who will no longer be starting. I mean, Dak Prescott, you probably can't even use either. So uh, it's just it's so tough to do that. Just talk to your commission bribe them, do whatever you need to do uh, to just rid yourself of this evilness. Cause it's just, it's not pretty in week 17. I mean, like here's a list of um, quote unquote starting quarterbacks for week 17. EJ Manuel, Ew. Matt Moore, Landry Jones, probably Tom Savage, Matt Castle, Matt McGloin, Matt Barkley, Jared Goff. And that's not including teams who are going to start quarterbacks but not even finish the game. Like I mentioned, uh, Dak Prescott out in Dallas, probably Eli Manning with the Giants. So it's just like, it's almost like half the league you can't, you can't even consider starting this week. And I week. believe Ryan Nassib is on IR now, so you can't even like use him for the Giants. I don't even know who the Giants' backup is behind Eli. Um, so <laughs> that's just, it's brutal. And Matt Castle and Tom Savage are starting in the exact same game, which makes you, Matt Castle's a three-point favorite. Yeah, if uh, Eli Manning has to sit out most of the game, it, it's Josh Johnson. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Better than Josh Freeman, at least. Hey, Josh Freeman at week 17 start last week. Not last week, last season, I mean. Yeah, that was... I just have these flashbacks, that game that he started on Monday Night Football at the Vikings, and he, like, overthrew everyone. Like, it was eight feet over their heads every time. It was just totally glorious. Oh, Josh Freeman. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the list of quarterbacks who you might be... well. Not might be. You're probably going to be forced to start if you're playing Week 17. So like I said, it's not pretty. But this is I, this is a completely has nothing to do with the podcast. It's just a little fun fact. Looking at the quarterback depth charts of every team, there are eight quarterbacks in the league if you include Matthew Stafford named Matt. I don't know <laughs> how that came to be, but if you're out there trying to find a way to get into the NFL and you have a baby boy, just name him Matt. Wait, so it doesn't count Matthew Stafford? Well, I'm, if you include Matthew Stafford. Oh, he goes okay, by yeah. Matthew. All the other yeah, seven yeah. go by Matt. Yeah, Matt, Matty Ice. Uh, I mean, that's that's a good one. I mean, there are some good quarterbacks, too, named Matt. So I think I think the guy who I would vote for for MVP is named Matt. So uh, I think that's 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 pretty solid. I just think it's 25%. No, <laughs> not well, if they were all starters. There's some backups right. in there, like Matt Schaub and... I mean, I mean, we've got Matthew McGloin starting this week, yeah. Matt Castle starting this week. Like, there are a lot of Matts starting this week, so that's right. actually pretty close to being uh, Matt Moore. Matt, <laughs> yeah. That's actually pretty close. Yeah, I think it might just be um, Matt Schaub, the only backup. How bad does he feel right now being the only Matt not starting in the NFL this week? Matt Barkley's just shaking his head, man. He's not holding <laughs> up his end of the bargain on the name on the name here. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, enough of Matt talk for this week. Neither one of us is named Matt, so we don't need to worry about that name for the rest of the podcast. So usually we, you know, pick out quarterbacks we like a lot, quarterbacks we don't like, quarterbacks we kind of like, and then go over reasons why we're starting them. But like I said, it's week 17. Not really a whole lot we can pin our hopes on in terms of starters for the week. So we're just going to list off a few names that we like, kind of like, for this week. And then it's basically up to you to decide if you're going to start them or not. Uh, so here's a few guys I picked out. And then after Jim, we'll talk about the guys he likes more than I do. So here we go. we got Sam Bradford, uh, favored by five at home versus the Bears with a 23 implied team total. We have EJ Manuel on the road against the Jets, favored by three and a half with a 22.75 implied team total. Carson Wentz at home versus the Cowboys team that really has nothing to play for. They're favored by four with a 23.75 implied team total. Uh, if Ben does uh, sit this week, like Mike Tomlin has been alluding to, that means Landry Jones is the man next up. The uh, Steelers play Cleveland, one of the teams we like to target a lot when it comes to quarterback streaming. Uh, they are at home versus the Browns, favored by six with a 24.75 implied team total. Jameis Winston at home versus Carolina, favored by six with a, a meaty 26.25 implied team total. Our uh, good friend Alex Smith uh, on the road against the Chargers, favored by five and a half with implied team total of 25.25. Kirk Cousins at home versus uh, the Giants, who might also be benching some players at some point. They're favored by seven and a half with a 25.75 implied team total. And then uh, we don't really talk a lot about Matt Ryan as a streamer because really he's kind of graduated from that. But if you do have Matt Ryan, it's going to be kind of hard to bench him, especially when this game has a uh, 56.5 over under. They're at home versus Saints, favored by six and a half with an implied team total of 31.5. There are only 20 games since 1979 that have had an imply an over under that high. Yeah, which is just like. That's absurd. So that game's going to be so fun. I'm jacked for that. Yeah, Brandon Gadula, my coworker, found that stat uh, when he was perusing pro football reference. So I got to sprinkle it in wherever I can. Just nice. 20 games. Whew. Yeah, when I saw that 56.5, I was just like, whoa. And then you look at the teams involved and you're like, ah, okay, that kind of makes sense. All right. I can get behind this now. <laughs> so, yeah, so that uh, pretty much rounds out the uh, QB2s that I would consider starting this week. Yeah, I think the good thing, too, from your from your list, Sal, is that there are a lot of guys who still have something to play for. If we're looking at uh, people who still have something on the line this week, Jameis Winston, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have .00279% chance of making the playoffs. So I'm saying there's still a chance. For, his, for them to make it. Uh, they're facing a Carolina team without Luke Keekley. We've, we've targeted quarterbacks against Carolina this year. My problem with him is upside. They seem to hate him for whatever reason. They're probably not going to throw a whole lot. It could be Jacquez Rogers and just kind of get out of there uh, type games. So that'd be my concern with Jameis. I think that his floor is good enough though with them still having something to play for. Same goes for Alex Smith. Uh, they can still wind up as the two seed as the division champs if they were to win and Oakland lose against the Denver Broncos. Uh, so Alex, great, great spot here. San Diego's been really good against the pass this year. They've got a lot of talent there, but it's still a situation where we love Alex Smith. They have a lot more to play for than San Diego does. Uh, so I like Alex there too. And of course, same for Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. Kirk needs to win to make the playoffs. Um, so the the motivation there is pretty obvious. Norris Jenkins, I would assume, won't go for New York. That helps him a lot. We could see their starters exit the game at some point. He's got Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon. It sounds like Jordan Reed will play. So there's every reason to love Kirk Cousins in a spot where, again, they do have to play really hard. And then same goes for Matt Ryan. If they win that game, they lock up the two seed. If they lose though uh their odds of the two seed based on a number fires algorithms are at 17 i think 17.65 percent so if they want that buy they need to win and to me that's motivation enough to have a lot of confidence in him uh for season-long dfs whatever format you may have so from that list there are still guys with stuff to play for which is really good yeah motivation wise 
that's a, a factor you really don't spend a whole lot of time on from week one to week 16. But right. week 17, it's something you have to pay attention to. And this isn't really playoff-wise motivation, but I think EJ Manuel has something to play for in terms yeah. of a future in the NFL. <laughs> going up against a New York Jets defense that has allowed seven top 12 finishes to the quarterback position on the year. Uh, the Jets, I mean, you could look up the word dysfunction in the dictionary and probably find a picture of, of their organization smack dab right there. So that's a nice thing for EJ Manuel. I'm not sure if the team believes in him. Uh, the GM might have a, a rooting interest in EJ Manuel this oh. week. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out and plays this week. So it, the situation is right for him in terms of who he's playing against to put up, you know, I think a, a decent game. I think like 15 fantasy points, 16 out of EJ Manuel is achievable in week 17. Yeah, and the good thing for him is that he'll have Sammy Watkins healthy, Robert Woods healthy, uh, Charles Clay, I think, is playing. Uh, LaShawn should play. Like, he'll have assets that Tyrod hasn't had for a lot of this year, which makes it a totally unfair, like, comparison to give EJ Manuel his one start against the Jets in a situation where Sammy Watkins is healthy. Like, how are you comparing – basing things I, – I hate the Bills. I honestly just – I hope they – Get rid of Tyrod. He goes to Denver, Chicago, Cleveland, wherever, and just thrives because he deserves that right now. I mean, it's just ridiculous what they're doing to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I get it from a business standpoint to, like, you know, to safeguard his health. Like, sitting him for Week 17 actually kind of makes sense, but there's all this talk about how they're not sold on him. Like, how are you not sold? Like, he's a competent NFL quarterback. He has shown you for two seasons that's the case, and you just refuse to believe it for whatever reason. I mean, if the alternative is a future Buffalo Bills offense led by E.J. Manuel, why would you even want to go down that door? I don't. <laughs> that's that's that's, right. that's my answer, at least. Right. Going back to some of these other quarterbacks, um, everything is lining up for Kirk Cousins to have a really great game. I think the most important factor here is if the Giants bench some of their defensive players. Because mm-hmm. I was you know, crunching the numbers today, and the Giants allowed the fewest top 12 finishes to the quarterback position this year. They only allowed two. Yeah, (laughs) that one kind of shocked me that it was just two. I'm not surprised that they kind of led that stat because we've seen their defense improve over last year, but only two quarterbacks finishing as a top 12 option is kind of crazy. But like I said, if they do bench some of their defensive players, I know Janoris Jenkins had that injury from two weeks ago. He set out Mm -hmm. last week. That would really improve Kirk Cousins' stock because, like, everything else is lining up for them at home, favored by more than a touchdown with an implied team total of almost 26. Like, we've seen Kirk Cousins have some big fantasy games, including last week where he scored almost 30. So it's not out of the question to see him have, like, another 25-plus point fantasy performance. Yes, Konami Kirk Cousins with two (laughs) rushing touchdowns. How about that? That was awesome. It was pretty crazy. Uh, one, if, uh, we were to go by top 12 finishes, the, um, the teams that allowed the most top 12 finishes on the year were Cleveland and San Fran. They each allowed nine. Now the Steelers are going up against these Cleveland Browns this week, but most likely without Antonio Brown and without Le'Veon Bell. So that kind of dampens Landry Jones's upside a bit. But I think based on the matchup, the floor is there for him to have like a like a mid-range QB2 type of week, I think. Yeah, I think that's realistic. Uh, just given the matchup, like you said, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of talent on that uh, that Browns defense outside of Ibrahim Campbell, of course, former <laughs> Northwestern Wildcat. Got to give him a shout out. Um, but uh, yeah, I think... The floor is there. My concern, like you said, is upside just because it seems as if whenever Pittsburgh is on the road, they run a ton and they try to drain clock. And if they're not using Le'Veon or Antonio or Big Ben, it seems like they would take that to a new step. Uh, So I think the pace in this game is going to be just atrocious. And I could see it being like a 12-10 game swinging either way. So he'll have the floor. It's not going to be uh, Jameis Winston against the Cardinals negative 15-point game game um like from earlier in the year but i do think that 
you know, the upside is certainly in question. But if you're in a situation where you're asking yourself, should I start Landry Jones? He's at least good enough to to answer yes to that question. Yeah, I mean, look at if you look at the game by game logs of quarterbacks to face Cleveland, the one that sticks out to me the most is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He scored just over 14 fantasy points at a basically a pedestrian game, 200 plus passing yards and a touchdown. I think that is within the range of outcomes for Landry Jones. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's a, actually kind of a similar uh, situation. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's that's realistic. And, again, if you're asking yourself this question, you, you probably don't have a whole lot of choice. So you can feel okay-ish about plugging him in. At least I'd feel more okay about him than a guy like Matt McGloin or something, which is yeah. good. Like, welcome to Week 17 when you're considering Landry Jones over Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Oh, that's so upsetting. Week 17 fantasy football. Now there gotta is... start. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Got to start handcuffing your quarterbacks in week 16 from now on. Well, you kind of really do in two quarterback <laughs> leagues. It's just yeah, it's way, true. <laughs> just the way it is. Right. Because uh, uh, if we count Tom Savage last week and we include Matt McGloin, uh, now EJ Manuel and Matt Castle, we're going to see 54 different quarterbacks start at least wow. one game this season. That's insane. Who knows if there's going to be any other quarterbacks that uh, get a shot this week. But as of now, it's going to be 54, which beats last year's total of 53. That's that's deranged (laughs) how high that number is. And it's almost like two per team, uh, which should allow the teams that didn't start to to just kind of count their blessings at this point. (laughs) Because, man, that's tough. Let's say I got one, two, three, four. 14 teams didn't start uh, two quarterbacks this year. So okay. more than half the league then. That's not bad, I guess. You can tolerate that. Although yeah. I, I, I suppose a few might get crossed off that list this week, unless you were already counting them. Uh, well, I have a list going every week of who is okay. the quarterback. <laughs> it's just something I tend to do basically just to see how much turnover there is at the the position every year right i mean it, it does validate um you know a lot of things about two quarterback leagues if you're gonna have this this many guys rolling through you know why not fire up a two quarterback league instead of a one quarterback where you can just kind of plug a dude in that doesn't seem quite as fun to me yeah so yeah 18 teams have started at least two quarterbacks this year so more than half the league has okay. started a back quarterback So that is definitely something to think about when you like to say that there's not enough quarterbacks in two quarterback leagues, if that's a criticism for not playing in one. But that is a rant for a different day and a different (laughs) podcast. And I think that that list of quarterbacks doesn't include Charlie Whitehurst either. No, uh, because I don't think he ever started a game. Yeah, yeah, he just came Or Kevin Hogan. No, no Kevin Hogan, no Charlie Ross. This is just starting quarterbacks. Yep. No Julian Edelman either, unfortunately. (laughs) Or Charles Pryor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or Joe Callahan, sadly. Ah, still, you can still dream, though. Well, I know he he was recalled Pre-season. to the active roster for Green Bay. This is true. This is very true. Preseason star. And that list also doesn't include Tony Romo. Ah, this is true. That'd be fun. So we'll see how week 17 goes about, and I'll update it in case there's more quarterbacks that uh, end up starting this week that we don't know about. But back to week 17 and streaming quarterbacks, I think that list we've talked about is pretty much it in terms of who we kind of like this week. I'll throw out one play as a uh, desperation play if you're frisky enough to do it, and that's Jared Goff. Now, the only reason I'm mentioning Jared Goff's name is because of the matchup. As I mentioned earlier, I did my uh, research number crunching uh, earlier today, and the Arizona Cardinals have allowed four straight top 12 finishes to the quarterback position. It's the longest active streak in the league right now. Uh, One caveat to that, though, is that the quarterbacks they faced were Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, combination of Ryan Tannehill, Matt Moore, and Kirk Cousins. So uh, I'm going to go out and limb and say that has more to do with the talent of the quarterbacks they have faced, but like I said, four straight top 12 finishes. It's not something you can really um, ignore when it's week 17 of the fantasy football season. 
Right. And the big part of that, too, is that it also coincides with a lot of injuries they've had uh, on the defense for Arizona. So it's not totally just in my mind, at least due to the quarterbacks they faced. A lot of it is due to injuries. And that's something that's not going to get better this week. They're a team that has nothing to play for. And I mean, as a human being. I would love to see Jared Goff do well this week just because that poor dude has been through so much this year. I don't want him to go into the offseason, you know, with the performances he has had without, you know, more than one half of glimmering this. So I as a human being, I am praying that that something good happens to Jared Goff this week. The dude needs something good to happen. He doesn't really deserve all this uh, this this awfulness that has happened on that horrendous team. And please, please, please get this young man an offensive lineman in the offseason. And even, like, the one good fantasy game he had this week came in that crazy week right. uh, 12 when 25 quarterbacks scored 15 fantasy points. Like, right. It wasn't one of the, the downtrodden weeks where nobody did anything. He happened yeah. to be in the one good week this year. Yeah, he had 16.5 fantasy points but finished as a QB 22. Yeah. The, uh, the only downside to his matchup this week is that the Rams currently have an implied team total of 17.25. Which is not something you really want to associate with Jared Goff. That game is just so unappealing on every level. So I think that's a good note to end it on our Week 17 uh, streaming recommendation. So like I said, if you're playing Week 17, there's not really a whole lot to love. But if you're desperate, there's a few guys we mentioned that we hope you have on your rosters and can start. Uh, the flip side to that is we just hope you're not playing this week. Amen. And next week, or next year, too. The, the petition, petition, <laughs> petition. We will write you a note to get you out of this. Do not let so-and-so play week 17 of the fantasy football season due to it being sucky. Yes. <laughs> Unless you're playing DFS. That, that's a different story. DFS in week 17 is kind of fun. So Now, if you are playing week 17 DFS, you might want to check out the uh, Heat Check podcast. Cause I'm going to go yeah. out on a limb and say there is some week 17 DFS talk out on that one. Oh, just a wee bit. We did a love for good old Drew Brees, who we unfortunately can't discuss on this podcast. We can talk about Matt Ryan, who I like too, but, uh, you know, I don't think Drew Brees counts for a, a two-quarterback streamer. No, we're not allowed to stream Drew Brees, unfortunately. Ah, that's this unfortunate. is not living the stream. Uh, you're going to have to check right. out that podcast <laughs> for the top streamers. But even in right, their podcast, exactly. you can't stream Drew Brees. Unfortunately. All right. So one thing uh, as we like to do usually every week at Start Podcast is just a, a quick recap of the picks from the week before. So we decided since this is our last episode of the 2016 fantasy football season, we would do a, a quick year-end review to see just how our picks did over the course of this fantasy football season. And we'll start it off here. I got a bunch of notes, so I'll just do some quick hidden stuff, and then Jim, feel free to chime in whenever you'd like. All right, so our top streaming recommendations uh, averaged 16.81 fantasy points, which would average out to uh, QB 15 on the season. There were uh, two weeks where we had a couple injuries that would affect it, which was um, Alex Smith and uh, Marcus Mariota. If we were to combine Smith's fantasy points and Nick Foles' fantasy points and Marcus Mariota's and Matt Castle's fantasy points from those two games, the uh, average fantasy point score from our top streamers would jump up to 17.4, and on a points-per-game basis, that would average out to quarterback 12. Now, the basis behind starting this podcast was to stream the quarterback 2 position, which was basically uh, quarterbacks drafted outside of the top 12 in two quarterback leagues based on uh, the ADP data that we have over at 2QB. So basically anyone from quarterback 13 or less... So, and you know, and if you're trying to stream the quarterback two position, that could be basically quarterback 13 to quarterback 24. And uh, our top streamers basically average out to quarterback 12, which was a uh, fantasy QB one on the season. So I think that's not too bad. Yeah, I'll take that. The other thing to factor in there, too, and I'm not making excuses because, I mean, we did have <laughs> some bad picks. My bad. Um, but uh, I think the other thing here, too, is that we eventually stopped discussing Matt Ryan, uh, who technically qualified. We didn't really discuss Kirk Cousins a lot just because it seemed that they were pretty obvious guys that you should be starting. Um, and we kind of, I think, it, you know, dug a bit deeper. So that's a factor to consider here, too. But um, I think that there were a lot of 
interesting takeaways uh, from this for me personally from a process standpoint. I'm sure we'll talk about those later. But, you know, I think that I I had a little bit of higher expectations for this year. But considering what we're working with here, you know, talking about Paxton Lynch, um, as a top streamer, Jay, Jay Cutler, rest in peace as a top streamer, guys like that, you know, I'll take it. It's definitely something where I think we have I, I have some changes to my process that I want to factor in for next year. But overall, I think it was OK. Yeah, I mean, like we could have came out and recommended Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Tyra Taylor, Dak Prescott every week. And I'm sure the numbers <laughs> would be a whole lot better. But this is a podcast dedicated to the QB2 slot. So some weeks we're talking about Landry Jones, Brian Hoyer, Jared Goff, Tom Savage, Trevor Simeon. Like we're trying to dig deep to try and find guys who are kind of near the bottom that have good matchups for that week. So that's where we're coming from at it with this podcast. And uh, like I said, even if it's like QB 15, if we don't include those two injured weeks, 17, almost 17 fantasy points average. I would, if you were to tell me that my quarterback two every week would score 17 fantasy points, I would be more than pleased with that. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a pretty sweet expectation to get out of that considering you know the strategy of waiting on that second quarterback maybe getting a stud first and then uh, like your strategy Sal I guess the one you pumped uh, throughout the summer getting a good guy and then kind of filling out with that I'd take that I think that's yeah that's totally acceptable and given the separation in quarterbacks if you can get a quarterback 14 or so there's not a huge difference on a weekly basis between that and say like a quarterback 10 or so so that's you know that that's something that we probably should be accepting and the opportunity cost of drafting a second quarterback pretty high is steep so overall i think that this was a pretty good year to hold off and live more of a uh, reckless life, I guess, with that second quarterback spot. That's right. And the strategy Jim was talking about that I tend to employ most often in two quarterback leagues, I dubbed it the studs and streaming strategy. Basically, where you draft one early-ish quarterback, usually in the top 12, and then you draft two quarterbacks that you can basically play the matchup game in your QB2 slot, which was the genesis of this podcast. And just to use an example, in the article I wrote this year, you know, basically you could draft someone like, say, Aaron Rodgers as a QB1, and the top QB2 combo I was targeting was Matthew Stafford and Tony Romo. Uh, scratch Tony Romo's injury, but throwing Dak Prescott. And if you look at the top 12 finishes by the quarterback position, Aaron Rodgers led the way with 11 this year. Dak Prescott was right there behind him with 10, and Matthew Stafford had 7. So yeah. you know, that's just one cherry-picked um, positive example. But that's like basically the the goal of studs and streaming is trying to find a QB two duo you feel confident enough to start every week. Yeah, and I think that going into next year too, there are going to be guys. I mean, I have no idea how ADP will shake out, but there are going to be guys who will be in the same discussion as, as Matthew Stafford was this year, as Matt Ryan was this year, where you know, what, for whatever reason, their ADP is depressed, be it based on uh, results in the previous year or whatever. You're going to have opportunities to do the exact same thing next year. This is not a one-year outlier. Uh, so I totally, I'm totally on board with Sal's strategy um, of you know getting that stud and then streaming from there. On. On. And I think that this year kind of showed how it can be done, but it's also not the only way it can be done. It's not a, something that's exclusive to 2016, I should say. No, it's, it's something I've basically been trying to pump up since I broke into the industry. It's uh, served me well. Now, you mentioned Matt Ryan's name. I was also doing the numbers earlier today looking at the two-quarterback ADP of the offseason. Matt Ryan was the QB 20 on average draft in two-quarterback leagues. And he is currently the QB2. So when you talk about opportunity cost, there is a guy that just overshot his ADP immensely. And you know he's going to be like a, a fifth-round pick next year because it's so op- it's so results-based for everything that you know that's going to happen next year. I'm not saying it really shouldn't because he's a very good quarterback, but like at the same time, like – you want to spot guys who were adjusting our ADP based exclusively on results and not surrounding situation. Yeah. No, everybody didn't want to draft Matt Ryan because he <laughs> threw no touchdowns last year. Now everybody's going to want to draft him because right. he threw all of the touchdowns this year. It's just recency bias plays a big factor in fantasy football. Uh, <clears throat> just looking at the top 12 quarterbacks that were drafted in two quarterback leagues, Six of them finished as top 12 quarterbacks, so that means half of the quarterbacks drafted in the top 12 
finish outside of the top 12. So again, something happens every year, but you always want to keep that in mind when you're doing research for the next year is that opportunity cost is a big thing. No, you might have loved Carson Palmer this year, for example, QB eight, but he finished currently is at QB 20. Yeah, I was into Carson Palmer this year. <laughs> I didn't wind up getting him a lot because his cost was too high. I don't usually draft quarterbacks where he was going. Um, so I didn't wind up with him. But, like, it's not because I was against him. So I would have been fine with him at his ADP. I just yeah. happened to happened to not get it, I guess. I, I definitely think a lot of people were into Carson Palmer, myself included. Yeah. One quarterback, though, that was kind of interesting was Eli Manning. He was QB 10 in two-quarterback ADP. He's currently the QB 21, and this is a, a shout-out to the 2QB Experience podcast hosted by Joshua Lake and Greg Sauce. Um, back in the offseason, they were kind of warning against drafting Eli Manning just based on his um, up-and-down production throughout his career. Like, they were warning, you know, like, yeah, we love Eli Manning, his ADPs. No, it's not too high, but it's manageable. Odell Beckham is there another year with Ben McAdoo, but they had talked about how how inconsistent he had been over his career, and it kind of turned out to be the case this year. So shout out to them for being on that uh, call. Yeah, and the thing about Eli Manning, too, is I think that um, the defense that the Giants have assembled kind of really hurts him because there's not a ton of shootout possibility in their games now, whereas before, last year when their defense wasn't that great, they had to score points, but now, because the defense has been so good, it's not really a thing that they need to do. And when you factor in his pretty extreme home road splits um, where you almost can't use him on the road, it's it's really tough to get super behind Eli Manning, especially if we assume that defense will be good again next year. And I really see no reason to think that it won't be as good as it has been. All right. So going back to our year in review here, uh, I'll go over our rapid fire uh, recommendations here. These are quarterbacks we like, but didn't love a whole lot every week. Uh, we recommended 47 rapid fire quarterbacks on the year. Uh, 15 of them finished as a top 12 scorer. 10 finished outside of the top 24, and we had an average uh, points per game of 14.7, which would be QB 17 on the year. Like, not that great, but still, um, 15 fantasy points is always kind of the bar we're looking for out of a quarterback, too. And, oh, and like, these were really bottom-of-the-barrel quarterback pick recommendations some week. So, like I said, I think we could do better, but I'm not completely uh, upset with the results. Yeah, I think I was happier with the rapid fire ones than the top streamers, to be fully honest, uh, because I was expecting it to be pretty bloody uh, given um, the the lower tier guys. But it worked out pretty well. I I still wonder, have the what if in my mind of what if Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't gotten hurt in week two, you know, like it could have been so good against the Dolphins. He still had 21.28 points. He was QB eight. Uh, if he hadn't gotten hurt, it could have been so glorious. Uh, but still, I mean, I think that it was. It was good overall. Uh, there were a lot of Brock Osweilers in <laughs> the rapid-fire section, so to make it out of that okay, I, I'm happy with. Like you said, it can always be better, and I think that there are takeaways even for that section that I would have for next year. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think that it, it went okay, and it shows that even when you're not super into a guy, they can still be an okay fantasy quarterback if they're in the right matchup. I didn't mention this earlier, but we had recommended 43 top streaming quarterback picks throughout the year. 21 of them finished as a top 12 scorer, and only 10 finished outside of the top 24. So I think that those are some pretty good uh, batting averages. Yeah, a couple of them were like, Sam Bradford in week 15, my bad on that one. It's the game script went awry. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is the woat, <laughs> like they're explainable. Um, and I think that, that the process, uh, we can learn from the process a little bit. So forward looking, I think that we could do even better in, in a second year of doing this. Uh, just because we, I think we did learn some things this year, at least personally I did, I thought. And we'll get to that section very, very soon. Uh, and then our other segment that we had every week was a clipboard holder of the week. This was a quarterback who, um, you know, would be like a top option that we didn't like that week because of, you know, matchups or injuries or whatever you have it. Uh, we had recommended, uh, let's see, I have the number right here in front of me, 16 on the year. So 16 clipboard, no, 
18 clipboard holder picks. Um, five did finish in the top 12, so that's our bad. Four did finish out of the top 24 on the week. But you have to remember, these are like top quarterbacks like Stafford's, Russell Wilson's, uh, Cam Newton's of the world. They're, the average points scored by these picks was 13.98. And if you look at it on a, a points per game basis, that would be QB 18. So I think we did pretty good with this section. Yeah, for sure. I think that it, it was um, part of it was predictability in the defenses that we were kind of targeting. Um, you, it was known heading into the season that Denver was a team you wanted to avoid. So we picked on them quite a bit. It eventually became known that Minnesota earlier in the year was in that same ilk. Um, so it, it helped to kind of figure out what those defenses were that you wanted to avoid. And again, I think that this goes back to something you discussed, Sal, is that sometimes you do need to bench guys who you paid a lot for if they're in bad matchups. Um, and this is more of a results-based look at why that's the case. You know, averaging 13.98 points per game, you're not going to be too happy about that uh, out of your out of your position. Uh, we did better with the, the top streamers and the rapid fire than with the clipboard, clipboard holder. So it does really show the value of matchups uh, for the quarterback position in fantasy. Yeah, and looking at the game-by-game game breakdown, only two quarterbacks we mentioned that you should bench really blew up. There's Tyrod Taylor back in Week 2 at over 24 fantasy points, and uh, Colin Kaepernick in Week 10 who had t- almost 24 fantasy points himself. Other than that, everybody else scored almost under 15. We got Kirk Cousins who had 19 in Week 3. So every quarterback um, recommendation we told you to bench out, out of this segment scored under 15 fantasy points other than those three guys. Uh, you mentioned the Denver defense is one to target. Uh, seven quarterbacks to face Denver this year finished outside of the top 24 in weekly quarterback scoring, which was the most. So that goes a lot into matchup play. And there was a lot of discussions on this podcast about benching good quarterbacks up against the Denver Broncos defense. Yeah. And Tom Brady showed that even he's not immune to quite that. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty widespread thing. And the thing about next year, we'll be trying to identify who will be those defenses we want to avoid. I would assume Denver will be up there. But do we include the Giants in that section uh, for next year, too? So it's going to take a while to figure out who those 2017 teams are. But once you can identify them, it really will help you out in identifying which guys you really need to avoid from week to week basis. And being on top of that every week, too, because we mentioned right. uh, lately how the Tennessee Titans had started off as a defense you wanted to avoid when it came to quarterback streaming because the first um, five quarterbacks they faced, no quarterback finished better than quarterback 17. But then they had that stretch from week six onwards, which it was basically start your quarterback against Tennessee. From right. Week six to week 16, the worst uh, weekly finish was quarterback 18, and they only had two outside of the top 12. And you know who was in the top 12, I believe, in that stretch? Who was it? Cody Kessler, baby. I think he was. He might have started the run, to be honest with you. He did. He had 330 or 316 yards or something like that in a comeback attempt. So my boy finally doing – it's my one good game I've had this year out of Cody Kessler. So I need to cherish it as much as I can. And, uh, again, when it comes to, you know, defensive trends, quarterbacks you want to stream the position against, the New Orleans Saints did not allow one quarterback to finish outside of the top 24 this year. So, basically, if you play in a 12-team, two-quarterback league, you're guaranteed a QB2 finish from your uh, quarterbacks going up against the Saints, and that has happened in two straight years now. So unless something dramatically happens to that Saints defense where they get a whole lot better, uh, it's going to be hard not to want to target quarterbacks against the Saints defense. And the insane thing about that, too, is they faced some really bad quarterbacks uh, yeah. from from their bye week on. Cam Newton was one of the worst efficiency passers of the entire year. They faced him twice. Alex Smith, not the most efficient guy. Russell Wilson, who had a tough year. And that game was on the road where he has struggled more this year. Colin Kaepernick, uh, Trevor Simeon, Cam Newton again. Jared Goff even did it. Like, they faced some really bad quarterbacks in this span, yet they still allowed them to hit that precipice. So, uh I don't know what they're hitting. Matt Ryan could could do really well this week against them. Well, what's even crazier is they're the only defense the last two years 
that have not had a quarterback finish QB 25 or worse. They did it twice. Two years straight. That's just bad. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. (laughs) Not good. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's not really anything else we can say about that. Yeah, Uh, the good thing, too, is that they're kind of like a funnel defense now, like shoveling attempts towards the pass because Sheldon Rankins is pretty good. So that, that makes it even more fun, at least from my perspective. Now, um, before we finish off this year and review section and move on to just our general thoughts about streaming the position, lessons we learned. Um, so I mentioned earlier how Aaron Rodgers had the most top 12 finishes this season with tw- uh, 11. Um, if we look at all of our quarterback stream picks, top streamers, our rapid fire sections, we had at least one top 12 quarterback every week of the season. So I think I'm like that I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, it took a while to really get our feet beneath us. We had a couple of rough ones the first two weeks, uh, understandably so. I mean, we're still trying to iron things out. I like Joe Flacco a little bit too much the first <laughs> four or five weeks. My bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I'll take that if we can pin out one. But, obviously, there are definitely ways we can improve for next year. Um, but looking at the results, um hopefully there is an explanation for most of the the ones we flubbed on because if there is no real takeaway then that's when i really start to worry but i think that in a lot of the ones we where we kind of dropped the ball i think that there are reasons you can kind of explain it at least yeah there's there's always things we can do to explain our process from each pick if you know we really wanted to go that route that would be like a five-hour podcast (laughs) right a lot of recommendations but we'll try and uh, wrap things up here so Jim, I'll throw this question out to you first. What are some lessons that you learned streaming the quarterback two position this year that you can take away from for next season? Yeah, I think that my big error in process this year is that I was a bit too focused on floor and I didn't really care enough about ceiling. Um, like I was always into more into Sam Bradford than I should have been because it seemed to me that with the attempts that he had, uh, with the implied team totals playing in a dome, he always looked very good, but we had a big enough sample, especially by the time in week 15, when that came along, when he was facing the Colts, where I really liked him, we had seen enough to say, okay, this guy doesn't really have that much of a ceiling. So yes, he's okay to start, but should we be starting him over some decent other quarterbacks if we have, you know, three guys we're choosing between. Um, so I guess that my thing for next year, would be trying to focus more on ceiling because I want to have my, my quarterback two spot to be able to make up for errors where I may have elsewhere. Cause I'm not going to start at the right wide receiver or running back every week. Um, so I think that my big thing for next year is, looking for upside, whether it be focusing on uh, pass to run distribution in the red zone, uh, whether it be, you know, just looking back at previous fantasy performances to see if a guy actually has the upside that I want. Uh, But I think that was my main error this year was not really valuing upside enough and focusing too much on the floor, which is, it was a conscious thing. Like I, I, whenever I'm in a two quarterback league, I do focus a lot on floor for that second quarterback spot, but I think I need to shift a bit more towards ceiling going forward, at least from my perspective. I mean, I don't think it's a completely bad thing to focus on floor when it comes to your second quarterback position, because you kind of just want that safety of points when it comes to the QB two. Cause you no, know, there are a lot of bad quarterbacks. You can start every week that could <clears throat> like give you five to six fantasy points. So, in terms of, like, say, you're drafting a couple of quarterbacks to stream every week during the season, it doesn't hurt to look at guys like, you know, a Joe Flacco or a Sam Bradford, hoping that they can give you, like, you know, 12 to 15 fantasy points compared to, like, waiting forever and, I don't know, drafting, like, Blaine Gabbard or someone like right. that. Right, for sure. I think yeah. that uh, that's that's absolutely valid. And that's kind of the strategy I had taken, too. So um, it's definitely something that I will still value going forward. Like, I'm not going to disregard floor. But I think from a weekly basis, as opposed to, like, season long. Like, I liked – the reason that I liked Matt Ryan this year was because I liked his floor. And I thought it was awesome given where he was being drafted. Uh, but 
I need to focus more on sealing from a weekly basis, not just from like a, a season long, but like from a weekly basis, deciding between do I want to go with Dak Prescott in a game where the Cowboys are pretty heavy favorites or should I go uh, with Kirk Cousins? And, and I guess we can't probably hopefully we'll be able to talk about Kirk Cousins as a two quarterback streamer next year. But I just want to like from a weekly basis, deciding between player X and player Y, maybe deferring more towards the guy with the higher upside more often than I do with the, the guy with the higher floor. Oh, yeah, that I think that completely makes sense. And in terms of like upside guys, for me, it's always going to be quarterbacks that run the ball. Yeah, you know, for we, sure. We look at Blaine Gabbert and Colin Kaepernick. I think this is the best example. If you combine their stats, they would average 5.8 fantasy points per game on the ground. They combined for eight top 12 fantasy finishes on the season. Um, if you combine their rushing yards, they would have more than Tyrod Taylor, who leads the league in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. And a combination of Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert would be the fantasy QB nine on the season. Uh, <clears throat> those are a couple guys that were basically drafted as low end QB threes this off season. I know it took a while for some to get on board the Colin Kaepernick train once he did start, but you kind of just knew what you're getting with Colin Kaepernick. You're getting a guy that was going to run the ball who would no, you think would get around five fantasy points per game just through rushing stats. So those are guys I would lean towards when you're thinking about ceiling and upside on a weekly basis, just because they can provide you with like a dimension that other quarterbacks can't like Sam Bradford yeah. <laughs> does not have the talent that Colin right. Kaepernick has or no, even Blaine Gabber when it comes to rushing the ball. Yeah, and going back to things I learned from this year, I think that uh, week 10, that was when you were on vacation, Sal, and I was the one, when Greg was hosting, I kind of pushed for Colin Kaepernick as the the clipboard holder that week because he was facing Arizona on the road, super low implied team total, but I think if I had factored in the rushing, probably wouldn't have made that recommendation. (laughs) Um, So I agree that that's totally something to factor in, and you were talking about the points they've gotten from rushing. They've only had four rushing touchdowns this year, which I think is fewer than Kirk Cousins. So it's not as if that's being buoyed by touchdowns. And if we were to get Colin Kaepernick in Chip Kelly's system again next year, I would assume that number would go up. So it's possible we may not have even seen the true ceiling of Colin Kaepernick just yet from a fantasy perspective. So there could actually be some room for growth there. And I totally agree that um, rushing is something to focus on whenever you can. Yeah, if uh, Blaine, not Blaine Gabbert, if Colin Kaepernick is guaranteed day one starter in San Francisco with Chip Kelly still as the head coach, I'm going to be hard-pressed not to draft him as my QB2 in every single league. Oh, absolutely. I'd be all in at that point. After what he did this year? Get, count me in. And that's not a guy might – I'm not even streaming at that point because, like, he, he does have the, the rushing floor that you want. I don't know when I'd bench him, so I think that that'd be perfect. Yeah, it's kind of hard. He only really had just that one bad snow game this year. Every other game that Colin Kaepernick played in, he finished no worse than QB 16. So I would take that every week. Yeah, I suppose snow games I might shy away. Now that I know that he has tiny hands, it's good to know. Um, So now that I know that, maybe I'd shy away there. But outside of that, I don't really know of a lot of situations where I'd bench him. Yeah. So um, in terms of me, one thing I te- one thing I learned early in this, this season, thankfully, thanks to you, was how much of a, a factor wind and mm-hmm. wind projections play into basically projections at any position. But since this is a podcast focused on quarterback, the wind uh, tends to have a little bit more of an impact because, you no know, quarterbacks have to throw the ball in the wind. And that happened all the way back in um, – Week one, when we were talking about Tyrod Taylor, we were so jacked up for his matchup against, uh, was it the Baltimore Ravens, I believe? Yes, it was. And how we were really into Tyrod Taylor that week, and then it came out that that game had like a 300 miles per hour. (laughs) Well, not 300, but it uh, turned out to be pretty damn high. And when we looked at the results from that and he had scored five fantasy points, we were really disappointed. But when we broke down the process of it, we saw that this game ended up having a high mile power wins uh, that affect Tara Taylor's passing ability. He also didn't do much on the ground that week. So, no, we love Tyra Taylor because of what he brings to the fantasy football game based on the rushing dimension. But when he has a low passing outage with low rushing outage, we see the absolute floor with Tyra Taylor. And it turned out in week one with the five and a half fantasy points. But like the wind played a really important factor, and it was something we tended to focus on the rest of the season when we were looking at quarterback streamers. And that was one thing I took away from this season, and just how much of a, a factor um, 
outside uh, influences have on the game. So wind, absolutely, wind yeah. was a really big no wind, snow, basically anything that could impact the uh, passing games for both teams, and that ended up becoming a big part of our per. Um, projections and our stream recommendations every week is when we would start off talking about each matchup and apply team totals and over-unders. We'd talk about the wind, and that was basically because of what happened in week one. Yeah, and I think that uh, it's not just win that affects the situation. You also have to factor in offensive line health. Like, uh, I remember Tyrod in that game, I believe their left tackle, Cordy Glenn, got hurt too. Uh, so it was a, it was multiple things that wound up happening to him in that exact same game. They kind of show you um, – how much you need to value situation heading into that game. Like it's not all about matchup the situation, whether it be wind speed, whether it be the health of the offensive line, especially a left tackle and a center. Those are things we really need to weigh pretty heavily from on a week to week basis. I totally agree. That's something that I'll take forward to next year too. Yeah. And another thing is injuries to like offensive line injuries, of course they're going to matter for a quarterback, right. but also to injuries in the secondary. I know the past mm-hmm. couple of years, there's been a lot of steam momentum for wide receiver versus quarterback matchups in fantasy football. But I think that too trickles down to the quarterback because if like say a top quarter cornerback or safety is injured and the wide receiver has a better matchup, that's going to also affect the quarterback too. So they're going to have a better matchup as well. I had mentioned earlier how Arizona is a lot of top 12 quarterback the last four weeks, and you immediately jumped on the uh, Tyron Matthew injury. Like if a, a defense is losing one of their top corners, one of their top safeties, or a linebacker or a pass rusher, that's going to automatically give a boost to the quarterback. And it's not really something we talk a whole lot about. At least I don't see it uh, discussed often in fantasy football circles when it's mainly just more about like just the wide receivers or tight ends or running backs that have a boost in matchup. But we also have to think about it in a quarterback position. I mean, let's take uh, Darius Slay in the Lions last week. No, there's a lot of talk Darius Slay was going to be out. That would be a big boost to Dallas wide receivers. But, I mean, if it's going to be a big boost to Dallas wide receivers, it's also going to be a big boost to Dak Prescott. And we saw the game that he had. So that's another thing, too, that I'm going to try and place more of a factor when I'm making my quarterback streaming decisions. Yeah, I think we saw that with the Vikings, too. Going back to a team we avoided pretty ardently early in the year, they didn't have Xavier Rhodes for the first two games. Marcus Mariota, 271 and two touchdowns against them. In the first one, Aaron Rodgers, not really that great against them without Xavier Rhodes. But then he came back, and the Vikings kind of became that defense we wanted to avoid. And then in the Dallas game, Harrison Smith gets hurt. The next game, Blake Bortles, 257 and a touchdown. Uh, Andrew Luck, 250 and two touchdowns. Then Aaron Rodgers, 340 seven and four touchdowns it kind of showed that the the importance of Harrison Smith and it's kind of explainable why the Vikings defense became one we weren't avoiding anymore uh so yeah I totally agree that that's something we need to consider it's a factor with uh Kirk Cousins and Joris Jenkins this weekend there are a lot of situations so I think that if you just go to Roto World and refresh their player news feed like feverishly every week you'll be sitting really well there both with offensive line injuries and with secondary stuff too that Sal was talking about yeah if, uh, I just have the the breakdowns in front of me from week one through week nine the Vikings did not allow any quarterback to finish as a top 12 and they even had um, three quarterbacks finish outside of the top 24 but from week 10 to week 16 they allowed four top 12 finishes so that just shows how big of a uh, factor defensive injuries play in terms of quarterback streaming it might be something we could also consider talking about next season when we were talking about quarterbacks, we like was just mentioning like offensive line injuries or mm-hmm. you no know, major defensive injuries, or it's just something that if you're out there listening and you're looking for uh, another way to look at quarterback streaming that you know maybe your league mates don't, is just uh, place a place an importance on injuries. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and again, that goes back to just staying on top of things throughout the week, and we'll try to mention them on here, obviously. <laughs> um, but a lot of that we're not going to know if we record on Wednesdays uh, because if the guy misses one day of practice, it's not a huge concern. So it's something you do need to kind of just go to Roto World and read as many blurbs as you can throughout the day. Not just the headlines, you know, the defensive ones usually aren't in the headlines, um, just the player news section. It's so valuable as a fantasy player to read through that every day. Just take 10 minutes at the end of your workday, read through them and see what went down, who missed practice, stuff like that. Cause it will make you uh, force you to make a lot better decisions, I guess. 
Exactly. And I know for myself personally, um, this was the first year I really took implied team totals uh, very seriously. And it was always something that would be, you know, as part of my research when looking at matchups. But having a website like the Number Fire uh, Daily Fantasy Lineup Helper page basically breaking down the implied team totals for every uh, matchup really helped me when it came to uh, quarterback streaming research. Like, just for example, this week, we mentioned Landry Jones has a great matchup against the Cleveland Browns. And when you look at the implied team total for the Steelers right now of 24.75, it just gives like a little extra check mark to Landry Jones' projections for the week. So that's just something for myself this year where I put more of an emphasis on my research and yeah, absolutely. Vegas can be a huge crutch for everyone. It's something that I try to value a lot. It's one of the first things that I look at every week um, is outside of just like, you know, matchups, you know, in your head and stuff like that. The Vegas, Vegas is the first thing I look to. And it's something that helps me a ton on a weekly basis. All right. I think that uh, pretty much wraps up our year and review here. Was there anything you wanted to add on to this section before we uh, close out the podcast, Jim? No, I mean, I think that uh, that pretty much concludes what I wanted to discuss. Um, I think that there were a lot of good takeaways from this year, and it's always good if you can come away from a season and know that you had actionable takeaways for the next year. And I definitely think that, you know, going through this this process of talking things out every week has helped me identify a lot of areas I can improve for next year. So I think that it's been a useful, useful thing, and I want to thank you, Sal, for letting me uh, come along for the ride. It's been fun. Well, for people out there that don't know behind the scenes, the podcast was actually Jim's idea. So I think I have to thank him for getting the ball rolling on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I just like talking, <laughs> as people have probably figured out. Um, probably heard a little bit too much of it last week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm always down to talk. And I'm always down to talk with Sal. So uh, it's that that didn't hurt either. It's, it's, it's always a highlight of my week. Now, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, me too. I mean, it, it also helps me understand the week ahead better too uh just talking things out with you finding out your thoughts hearing your research too so it's been beneficial both for me from uh whether it be uh, uh like a process standpoint or also just like knowing each individual week it's definitely helped me be better at fantasy and hopefully it's helped every one of our listeners be better at fantasy which is which was the main goal of this podcast is just to try and make people better fantasy football players especially people new to the two quarterback format absolutely yeah i mean it's uh it was a fun year i think i think so too now um this was the first week we solicited twitter questions it wasn't something we did at all during the season just because we already had a lot to talk about but we did have one question this is from one i'm going to say this is our number one twitter list uh, not twitter <laughs> listener podcast listener. this is uh mark rascone uh you can find him on twitter at mark underscore r-a-s-c-o-n he is a big proponent of the two quarterback format always friendly always giving us support uh, and his question is aside from fantasy football what other things do you guys enjoy doing you want to take that one first out you want me to go I'll, I'll let you go first here okay i i enjoy watching my northwestern wildcats win bowl games uh, which they did today so uh I, that was fun uh go cats uh, unfortunately i work with a bunch of guys who either went to pit or associated with pit so i can't really talk about it too much at work but i can on here so it's a safe space so go cats uh outside of that though um, I love baseball. <laughs> it's probably not what you're looking for. Um, outside of sports, I guess I, I enjoy bowling. Um, because Minnesota where I grew up is so cold, you're kind of forced to find things that are indoors. Uh, bowling counts. So I loved bowling when I was a kid. Um, outside of that, I'm pretty boring, pretty dull. <laughs> as far as the likes go, I'll, I'll be fully transparent about that. There's not a whole lot cooking. It's mostly sports for me. <laughs> what about you, Sal? It's that Minnesota upbringing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, one thing for me is I'm a big technology gadget nut. So I'm always trying to be on the lookout for what the next big thing is in technology and how I can somehow apply that to the fantasy football industry to improve it or make it better in some way. So I'm always trying to find out like what's the next big thing and how can that make my life and the life of other people better? Or how can you make a million bucks off of it? Potentially, well, we like kickerflex.org. Kickerflex.org. 
Yep. <laughs> so uh, that's the next big thing. Don't let don't take it before Sal gets it yeah. though. It's that's his. Give me a chance to get the the GoDaddy domain for a buck ninety nine. Right. <laughs> it's not up yet. You still got time. I believe in you. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, like Jim, I'm a pretty boring guy. I read, I watch Netflix, I hang out with my family. There isn't really a whole lot to me that makes me exciting. And to be honest with you, I like that just the way it is. I forgot to mention Netflix. That is a <laughs> big part of my life. I, I fully endorse the Netflix binging. Well, right now, I uh, I started Black Mirror last night. I've watched the Ooh. first four episodes. And that show is a mind trip. I'm not sure if you've really? seen it or if you know what it's about. But it's basically an anthology series. Kind of like the Twilight Zone, some people mentioned. But how different ways of technology can affect a person's life. And the episodes I've seen so far have just been um, ridiculous, but in a good way. Yeah, I've heard things about that. And uh, they've all been... Uh, complimentary. They also say they need to take like breaks after they watch episodes and kind of like be like, "Whoa, process things." So I need to need to work myself up to that. I kind of tend to stick with the same things. Like I've watched Psych probably about fifteen times through. Uh, so maybe I need. Well, it's not no longer on Netflix. So I guess I need to break them old anyway. Um, but uh, so maybe I need to expand my horizons. Check out a, a show like that. I guess we'll see. Well, I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that there are lots of good things. I just, I tend to, I tend to stick a little bit uh, too much into my own comfort zone. So we'll see. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the uh, QB2 Experience podcast on our end. Um, I would like to thank everyone that's listened to us. Um, whether you listen to us every week, you listen to, to us one week. We're just thankful you listened to us at all. I'd like to thank Jim for co-hosting the podcast, uh, being a sounding board when it comes to quarterback streaming takes. Uh, I'd like to thank the 2QB community in general. Uh, this is the first year that uh, 2QBs.com has been in existence, and we really wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys needing a uh, two-quarterback website and uh to quarterback podcast so i uh, thank you again just for you know your support uh and just being fans of the two quarterback format uh so, yeah. yeah uh jim how would you like to uh end off the podcast yeah it's been fun i mean it's fun to interact with people on twitter whether it be an awful recommendation that i <laughs> may have made you know everyone was always very civil about it and i think that um coming about it with a joking manner i always appreciate that i'm very willing to accept that so uh thank you to everyone out there for being civil when it comes to twitter uh especially when we make gaffes like mine with bench and colin kaepernick in week <laughs> 10 but thank you for being civil you know it's an underrated thing right now so um i you know i, I think that the listeners on our podcast tended to be always very pleasant and i just want to say that i appreciate that um and hopefully uh we can hopefully it was a good run for you hopefully uh we helped out and but i definitely know that they helped me out and uh hopefully can make next year even better we'll see yeah hopefully if you uh, listen to our podcast you won all of the fantasy football championships <laughs> um if for some reason you're playing in week 17 or if you're like one of our uh, fans uh friends on twitter at jake k34 in a league that not only goes into week 17 but also through the playoffs uh good luck uh grab alex smith and dak prescott because it's going to be a kansas city dallas super bowl and you'll <laughs> get all of the fantasy points that way but no other than that thank you again for listening um good luck if you are playing uh, no enjoy the off season because no 2017 is going to be right around the corner and then done right away as well. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> done. <laughs> Just like this season. All right. So thank you, everybody out there. And, uh, no, enjoy the holidays. <laughs>